We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Talk about some of the coaching hires that I don't like. I don't like the Urban Meyer hiring. You think I I fence it a little bit? Maybe sometimes. No, I I, I completely agree with you. Urban Meyer is not a good coaching hire. That's not a good idea. Well, what are we talking about? Welcome back, everybody, to the sixth episode of Stay Hot. I'm joined by just Bladen Kirk today. Bladen Kirk, why am I just joined by you? We're not sure if Theo either overslept. Which, first of all, he has a flight to catch today, right? To go back home from Arizona. And he had us reschedule the recording time. Because normally we record in the evening. He had us reschedule to be early in the day so he could catch his flight. And he still didn't show up. Yeah, there's no problem with rescheduling it. But um, our working theory at the moment is that he may have overslept. I called him and it went straight to voicemail. So We'll see. So he might join us. Part of the way through this podcast, and if he does, awesome. If not, it's just going to be me and Bladen today. The first thing we want to get into, we have some stuff planned, but the first thing we want to get into, Tim Tebow actually got signed by the Jaguars. I didn't think he would end up legitimately getting signed, but um, I guess Urban liked what he saw in the workout. Yeah, I mean, Urban's really assembled kind of a team of his guys, I guess. This is this is a very Urban Meyer team, is it not? It is. You know, he kept, uh, you know... <laughs> Ohio State's had problems with Clemson in the past, so they just go out and get the Clemson guys, and uh, they brought in Carlos Hyde, who I think was there for the very beginning of Urban's career, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And now getting Tim Tebow, that's definitely his guy. Uh, like we talked about before, it's going to be like a Taysom Hill deal. This is not just Tebow getting signed to play tight end normally. Uh, yeah, I find it very hard to believe that he doesn't play a little bit of quarterback. I guarantee he's going to throw some. He's going to throw some football. Oh, they're going to they're going to run some weirdo wildcat stuff. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think the Jaguars are going to be a ton of fun to watch this year. Right, is Tebow going to put on weight because he's only six three? What is Taysom Hill's size? Because I mean that's that's what they're going for, right? They're trying they're trying to get uh, a Taysom Hill type um, right production or type player out of him. Taysom Hill is six two, so I guess I mean that's Tebow's size. About I don't know. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't think Tebow's gonna have to put on like tons of weight, but you know 
playing tight end, you got to be a little bit. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of size to you. you but I mean, gonna, yeah. Think about it. We had you know Logan Thomas for Washington. He was wasn't he a quarterback in college? He was. Yeah, I remember. So that. then he and he he looked really good. You know, as a tight end. So I'm excited for it, but I'll be more excited if he can actually make the roster. There's a big difference between getting signed now, and I haven't seen the contract. I'm assuming it's got to be minimum veteran deal. Yeah, um, vet minimum. So there, there's yeah. there's a big there's a big difference between actually getting signed to the 90 man and making the 53. Uh, but today we're going to be talking a little bit about some overrated and underrated players. We're talking about some of the good and bad rookie situations, and then some of the personnel changes that we liked. I I planned out my picks around not picking anything that Theo was going to talk about. So I'll, I'll I'll let you go first since I have a lot of options. Uh, but but who would you say? Let, let's get started in the overrated underrated category. Yeah. Who would you say is the most overrated player in the NFL right now, or one player who you think is overrated? It doesn't have to be the most. I don't know if there's like a most overrated player in the NFL, but if I had to pick a guy who I think at least within his own fan base is overrated, Ezekiel Elliott, and it's like not close. And like as an Ohio State fan, that hurts me to say because he was awesome at OSU, but he's been horrible. I mean, he has barely averaged four yards a carry with the best offensive line in football. I don't know if I'd call the Cowboys the best offensive line in football, but I do agree with you generally. I well, mean, Theo, okay, not like last year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Theo made uh, that TikTok comparing him to Tony Pollard. Yeah, and, no, um, I saw that. You know, he's saying he'd rather have Pollard. Part of the reason I think that might be true is because Tony Pollard is a little underrated, um, along with Zeke being a little <laughs> overrated. It hurts me to say, because Zeke was yeah. awesome uh, for Ohio State, and I'm also an Ohio State fan. But if if he didn't have, if he wasn't a fourth overall pick, and he didn't have a big contract, I wonder if people would be would be talking about him right now. I think that's where the Cowboys have really screwed themselves up. Is by they've given out a lot of big yeah. contracts. And Zeke is definitely the worst of any of those. So if you think Zeke is overrated, eventually you think the Cowboys are going to realize that and stop giving him so many touches because he also fumbles a lot. He had a big fumbling problem last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. Yeah, he fumbles a lot. Do you think that Pollard is going to end up getting a bigger share of the carries? I'm going to look up right now just exactly how many carries he has. Yeah, well, you're looking that up. One, One thing, and this is my big thing with paying running backs, right? You, once you pay a guy like 15, 16 million dollars, you are almost in a position where you have to give them, you know, a certain number of touches for that amount of money to be worth it. So if you're Dallas, you know, if you if you decide, you know, to put Zeke on the bench and just say, you know, Pollard's going to be our our main back and, you know, Zeke might get some rotation time, you know, that's fine. But then you basically have dead money at that point. Money that it's like you're wasting all that money for a guy who's just going to sit on the bench. So maybe you're hoping that he has a bounce back year, but I wouldn't bank on it. I mean, but they don't really have much of a choice. It's you have the money invested in him already. Yeah, they're kind of in a situation where I'm looking at Zeke's contract right now. So Zeke was not a thousand yard rusher last season, and I thought he was um, even not rushing for all that many uh, yards per carry. He uh, split carries with Pollard about a 250 to 100. I, I would expect Pollard to get a few more. And Zeke can't be cut yeah. until two years from now, realistically. <sighs> unless, so he'd yeah. have to play through this season and next season, unless they wanted to take on money and cut him and then just have like 20 something million dollars in dead cap, which they're not going to do. Yeah, I mean, 
But at the same time, you can't trade him. No one's going to make a trade for him. No one, no one wants to take on that contract. They're married to Ezekiel Elliott. I do think that at one point, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott was a really good running back. And I don't think it's right to pay a running back even when they're really oh. good. But he was not. Yeah. He has gotten worse, I think. Yeah, I, I went back and I watched his rookie year. His rookie year, he was far more explosive. He was faster. He was breaking tackles. He hasn't done any of that. Yeah, you know, when um, Theo called Ezekiel, he said in that video, he was kind of old and he's 25 years old. It sounds ridiculous, <laughs> um, but for a it, lot of it guys, does. it can 100% be true. It has less to do with how old you are as a running back and more to do with how much tread is on your tires. And Ezekiel Elliott has a lot of tread on those tires. Dude was getting a lot of volume in those first four years. Um, for my overrated player. Uh, and it doesn't make me feel good to say this because I, I love AJ Green, but it's AJ Green. AJ Green's like 30. What isn't he like 33? Now overrated does not mean that everybody thinks they're great. And overrated does not mean that okay. I think that they're okay. a bad player for their whole career. But AJ Green has an $8 million contract now. And AJ Green was not good last year. Yeah, no, he was not. He And I know it's a one year prove it deal and I get it. And maybe he can turn it around. But for how rough he was last season, that is... It pretty really steep like is it not yeah, no i i feel yeah no that makes sense and i'm a guy who was i think higher than most on prime aj green when aj green was in his prime i'm like that is a top five receiver uh for sure if um, not other people thought that. I, I thought i thought i thought he was insanely good but i don't know if it was maybe just like him not wanting to be in cincinnati uh him not believing in the team or which i find hard to believe i never want to just assume that guys don't care um but they're they're also human like they're yeah. they're they're allowed to feel things sometimes like i i think i think aj green's issues have more to do with injury yeah and that, that's that's else. the other thing i want to say but i don't want to like sit here and trash on aj green uh and i get that like he does probably still have the potential to um bounce back somewhat and return to form a little bit but the risk reward is too much risk at eight million at an eight million dollar contract with six million dollars guaranteed yeah. for me, and I feel like most people, like at least from what I've seen, I haven't seen a people a ton of people talk about it, but from what I've seen, uh, most people think that's like a, a decent, like good one year shot. I know it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out, but it's a little bit too rich for me. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. I think it makes sense. Being a little bit more positive, though, who would you say that your most underrated player, or not your most, but an underrated player in the NFL yeah. is? Because I never want to say the most, because then it's like, I'll think of somebody else later. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, you know, a player who is the most underrated. There's a lot of guys who I think could really break out this year. You know, maybe a little bit underrated. Sam Darnold's a guy, you know, who I think we're both high on. Can I be honest with you? What? The only reason I didn't say Sam Darnold for overrated is because our producer specifically asked us not to pick guys who were on our team. And he's right to do it because then the underrated <laughs> list would have been all. Um, well, yeah, I would just, Panthers I would, players. yeah, it would have been like Richard Higgins. Uh, yeah, it would have been some guy on Green Bay and then <laughs> DJ Moore. Uh, yeah. No, I don't even know Sam, who would have been on Green Bay. But. Sam Darnold is overrated right now. You think Sam Darnold's overrated? Oh, yeah, for sure. That dude, the odds of that working out are really, really low. He got benched. Like, I know he was hurt, but like Joe Flacco put up Sam Darnold numbers in the same offense. And it's like every time I see a quarterback put up bad numbers in a bad offense, it's like, yeah, their offense was bad, but I don't know if that's an excuse. And he was, I mean, he was terrible. You can go, like, he's got some, yeah, got some arm talent. I'm not going to deny it. 
Um, I don't think it's a horrible right. move. I don't think it's impossible. He succeeds. I just think it's way less likely. The more I think about it, the less likely I think it is that he succeeds. The way I see it is he has the physical, tra- I think he has the physical traits to mm-hmm. succeed and, you know, him having, you know, finally a decent situation around him because since he's been in New York, his situation has gotten progressively worse. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in his career where his situation has actually improved. So I, I have faith in him. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to be great. But I think, you know, he has a potential to at least be average. You know, Theo's been really down on the Panthers. He's kind of a Panthers hater, honestly. It hurts my feelings. But um, <laughs> the, more I think, the more I think about it, realistically, the Panthers do not have a very good offensive line. Sam Darnold is a guy who's trying to turn his career around in year four. And he has the talent. And I don't dislike the move. I get taking the risk on it. I just think that the odds of it succeeding are less like people need to manage expectations a little bit with Sam Darnold. I would consider successful if he's throwing like 25 touchdowns, 15 turnovers. I'd consider that like, that's probably a little bit more realistic than him being one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I hope I'm wrong. And I could be, because he does have the talent to be one of those guys. Um, But he's got a lot of ground to make up to become that type of guy. Yeah, no, I, yeah, again, I think we're looking at more like a Matt Ryan, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo esque season versus, you know, we're not going to see like Kyler or Herbert numbers, but yeah, I, I think, I think he can be solid. But if I had to pick like a, a, a truly underrated player, it's, it's got to be Michael Thomas. It absolutely has to be Michael Thomas. Yeah. This guy has been getting the most slander of any elite receiver I think I've ever seen. It's absurd. I mean, did he not have, you know, one of the best receiver seasons in recent memory? According to uh, <laughs> NFL meme pages, no, he did not. He actually caught slant routes, and those don't count. Um, those don't count. Yeah, yards gotten off. Because he has, so he has a quarterback who literally can't throw it down the field, and somehow, somehow he's, <laughs> he's the issue. Yeah, I mean, part of that is due to him, like, going on Twitter and people getting annoyed at him for you know, like his tweets or whatever, which is like, all yeah. right, whatever. Um, but calling him the second best receiver in the league is not a hot take. And people are trying to like get on him no. for last year when he was all <laughs> injured. I can't agree with that. He's one of the best receivers in the league. There's no doubt about it. And if he stays healthy, he's probably going to prove it this year. I don't even think Jameis is like a good quarterback. But with having a quarterback who can throw it down the field, I am willing to bet Michael Thomas is an Offensive Player of the Year candidate. I could see it. Like, I'd I'd be willing to put money on it. My one concern is that, who is the second receiver on that team? Legitimate question. Not trying to be, like, not rhetorical to try to trash him. Who is the (laughs) second? Is it Um, Traquan Smith? We're looking at the depth. I honestly don't know, because it's not Sanders. No, it's not. I thought that was a big loss for them. Yeah, no, Sanders. You know, if you want to talk about another underrated player, Sanders. Like, yeah, I, you know, I feel like the Saints didn't lose their major pieces, and considering how much um, in like debt they were, I mean, like a hundred million or whatever, that's a pretty big win. But they lost a lot of those Emmanuel Sanders level players. It is Traquan Smith, Marquez uh, Callaway. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have a lot of depth at receiver. They do have so, Dante Harris. I mean, we'll who, see. Or Deontay Harris. I mean, we'll, I mean. we'll see a lot of Michael Thomas volume at the, at the very least. Yeah, no, I mean, 200 targets. I could see it. I mean, yeah, okay, no, well, Kamara is going to get is going to get yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, Kamara is going to get his touches, obviously. Touches, but, but as far as, you know, they're probably going to be very close in touches, or at least in, you know, receiving. 
I, I mean, because I know Kamara gets his fair share of receiving numbers. Yeah, for sure. So I, I don't, I don't disagree with the offensive player of the year take. He's, I mean, now, earlier in the year, I said that I think he could potentially be the first receiver to ever win an MVP. You know, um, Alex, our producer, put in the chat, where are you taking him in fantasy? Let me give you, let me give you my my tips before I get to my underrated player. Let me give you my tips to win fantasy. Draft Michael Thomas and draft J.K. Dobbins. You can probably get both of them. You'll win. Because J.K. Dobbins is people are, yeah. There's a lot of hate on. Well, here's the, Ravens the problem with Dobbins. Fantasy. Will he get? Will he get the volume? I think so. Will he he is so. Edwards is good. It's not about him being good. It's about Lamar is there. That's what I'm saying. They have Gus Edwards and Lamar runs a Mark lot. Mark Ingram got the touches. How many touches are we talk? Like I'm telling you, I think first off, J.K. Dobbins is better than Mark Ingram was. Yes, absolutely. As far as talent goes, no, no question about it. As in 2019, because we're not counting 2020, because like Ingram was kind of yeah, shot at that point. He had 228 touches in 15 games. Yeah, I mean, if if Dobbins can get if Dobbins can get at least that. Yeah, I'm telling you, I think Dobbins and I think Dobbins will get more than that because he is one of I to me he seems like one of those guys who is a legitimate difference maker as a runner. Yeah. He's seriously good, and plus, I mean, he's no slouch receiving he from what runs I've seen. through people, you know, consistently. But for my underrated guy. I'm actually going to go with the same team as you. I had it planned. I, I thought about this for a while. I wanted to pick a guy that I didn't think you or Theo would pick. I'm going Jameis Winston. People think, and not, I, I don't think that Jameis Winston is going to be awesome. Okay. Again, underrated okay. does not mean I think they're a top 10 player at their position. Yeah. But people think Jameis Winston doesn't deserve to be a starter in the NFL. He is for sure a top 32 quarterback. He opens up things for that offense. He has arm strength. I know he threw a lot of interceptions. I know that, but... But that was all. That could have also been a product of the offense he was in. That was part of it. Was Arians? Yeah. You know, Arians is definitely um, a guy who puts his quarterbacks in positions to throw more interceptions. He's notorious for that. Um, and I'm not nece- necessarily saying that's a bad thing because what Arians like to do, uh, what Arians likes to do, is push the ball down the field, and that's what Jameis can do that I don't think Breeze could do. Now, the difference, of course, is going to be that Breeze was crazy good in that short to intermediate game, and Jameis isn't going to bring that. Breeze's mind was still there even at the end. The difference is going to be, did Winston pick up on any of that knowledge, or are we just going to see... He had a full year to sit. But you watched the Saints last year. Okay, when you watched that Tampa Bay Saints game, and it was towards the end, and all of a sudden the Saints go down, they had that fumble, and then they're down a touchdown and they need to drive or something. You're like, there's no chance. They can't do it. Drew Brees is not going to be able to drive him down the field. He can't, he can't get the ball down the field. And that wasn't his fault. I'm not trying to just, yeah. Yeah. No, they just could not move the ball quickly. And that, that hurts them. That hurts them. And you know, maybe, maybe they aren't successful, but I, at least gives it, at least gives them a chance. I I think that Jameis is now in a position where his receivers maybe aren't awesome outside of Michael Thomas. But he's got a very good offensive line. He's got um, yeah. a very good running back. He at least like he at least have a couple of really elite weapons. Honestly, um, mm-hmm. he's had a year to sit and try to improve on some of the things that you know he he struggled with in Tampa. And he has the talent. We know he has the talent to be a successful quarterback. Worst case scenario, yeah. at least the Saints are going to be able to push the ball down the field this year. At the minimum, they're going to yeah. be able to push the and ball down the field this year more than they did last year. I, it's funny. I think the the uh, the Saints and the Steelers, I think those are the two teams that are going to throw the ball downfield the most this year. 
I think we're just going to see. You think see, Ben can do that? I don't, I don't know if he can, but I think they're going to. I think this is Ben's final run in Pittsburgh, and it's going to be, you know, just gunslinging all, all game, every game. I think his arm is probably going to struggle to do that. When those guys, that's the Maybe. big problem I've noticed with those guys <laughs> yeah, is that it's just hard to go and throw, you know, 500 passes. But that's, that's kind of what Favre did at the end of his career. Yeah, he true. just went out and just threw it. <laughs> that's true. So like, <laughs> but uh, that that's kind of what I feel like happened to the Steelers last year is that eventually uh, teams kind of started figuring them out a little bit on offense, and or maybe their offense just started struggling. I know they're I know at the beginning they were running really well, and Ben was putting up really yeah. good numbers, and then towards those five games, just everything fell apart for him. But let's let's get into rookies here a little bit. We were talking about the best situations, not our favorite picks, but the best rookie situations yeah. and the worst rookie situations. Uh, I came up with three different rookie situations I could talk about. I'm not going to talk about all of them, so you can go ahead and go first. Do you have any player who you think is in a particularly good spot? A particularly good spot. My my favorite pick, or I guess maybe not my favorite pick, but one of my favorite picks was uh, Trey Lance to the 49ers. Yeah. Um, I know I talked about, you know, maybe Kyle Shanahan might be a fraudulent, fraudulent genius on offense, but as far as, you know, breeding a good situation, I mean, he made Jimmy Garoppolo almost look like a top 10 quarterback. I got to give credit where credit's due there. Um, you know, Matt Ryan looked like an MVP, which, I mean, he's done that a number of times, but not quite to that level. Mm -hmm. And, uh. You know, this is the you know other than RG three, this is the only other time where Kyle Shanahan has had access to you know a super elite dual threat quarterback. I really like how that looks, especially with the weapons they have. You want to talk about underrated weapons? That that place is filled with guy. Debo Samuel after the catch is nuts. No one even touches him in yards after catch. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree at all. I think that's true for any quarterback though. They probably all wanted to land in San Francisco. Um, yeah. Get to live in California and get to have a really good offensive mind with a good offensive line and a, you know, a bunch of good weapons. And you don't have to play right away because yeah. they still have Garoppolo. I think Trey Lance has yep. a big arm. I think Trey Lance, um, you know, really mobile, like a, not even just like yeah. protecting himself mobility, seriously plus runner. Like who's can run big, over linebackers, but who's, like, who's the yeah. right type of mobile? He's big, and I feel like that lets guys, you know, keep themselves uh, or withstand more hits. And then he's, from what I can tell, really smart guy. I think Theo brought it up on the podcast a couple episodes ago, uh, or maybe when we were doing our draft coverage. Is that how he was playing? He was calling plays his freshman year, and I know it's uh, Division yeah. uh, Two or FCS, but um, that's matter. still really, really, really <laughs> impressive. Yeah, so I, I like I like that fit as well. And then if I, I guess if I had to pick another one, I, I did have another one I wanted to, I did have another one I wanted Go to mention. I, 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 I figure you're probably going to talk. It, it's definitely going to be yours. Um, I'll go for fields. it. It's probably fields. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to, I mean, it's almost the exact same situation as far as playmakers goes that Lance has, you know, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, you know, two really solid weapons. Their O-line's not bad. And towards the end of the season, their play calling actually improved a lot to where Trubisky almost looked decent. You throw a guy like Fields in there who has, you know, much better arm talent, mobility, all the, you know, maybe even, you know, IQ as, as a passer and all that stuff. I could see that offense being really dangerous really fast. I mean, there's things to like about uh, 
Fields situation if I was Justin Fields. Uh, Chicago's a big city. And I think that actually I think that matters to some guys. I think where you go uh like city wise. Do you think do you think I don't think it, I don't think it like makes matters? or breaks. I don't think it makes or breaks. Um like um but do you think it matters when someone gets drafted to Cleveland versus getting drafted to LA? Just from like I'm not from like I'm not trying to like promote or yeah. trash any of those like because I haven't been to LA, I haven't <laughs> been to San Francisco, I haven't been I mean I've yeah. been to Cleveland, but only for a little bit. But from like a weather standpoint, yeah. I'd rather play in San Francisco than I would in Cleveland. <laughs> or I'd rather be in like a big city like New York or something than I would be. Actually, I don't know. New York is the one where it's like the media there might be tough, but I think that matters. And I think Chicago is, is a good yeah. city for that type of stuff. Like at least it's it's a big market. And I think quarterbacks want to go to big markets. The thing about fields to Chicago, I, I'm kind of indifferent about that situation. He's got really? some good weapons and that stuff does matter. He's got some good weapons and that stuff does matter. But at the end of the day, for long-term success, the weapons that a team has right now, not going to make or break a quarterback, in my opinion. No, I, again, it's a plus. Like, having Allen Robinson's a plus. I'm not trying to say that it's not. But Matthew yeah, Stafford no, I mean, you're Calvin absolutely Johnson. right. Josh Allen added Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know. So you can get the weapons. Um, like, like Matthew Stafford, um, he had Calvin Johnson. But even then, it was still a tough situation for him to go into yeah. just because, I mean, the rest of that team because was coaching so bad. So I, I'd, no, I'd be, yeah, you're right. I mean, they were coming off a winless season. So it, it does take more than weapons. I don't think that the – I'm not a Matt Nagy hater or super big supporter. Uh, I think when he took uh, – when he stopped calling plays, things got better. Uh, and that's what I think it's yeah. going to come down to there. Are they going to make it easy on Justin Fields or are they expecting him to come in and – all of a sudden, like just like change the offense and change their life. Because as much as I like Justin Fields, uh, every quarterback needs to be eased into, you know, needs to be eased into an offense, and they need to be put in a position so where they're not asked to do everything all at once. That's how I feel like what happened with Baker. That's actually exactly what happened with Baker. Is Freddie Kitchens asked way too much of him? He wanted, you know, yeah. He's like no checkdowns. Everything's way downfield. You got to stand in the pocket mm-hmm. forever, and then just like. It's almost nobody's going to yeah. be able to succeed like that. I, I remember against the 49ers, um, Baker threw this horrible interception to Richard Sherman. And, you know, after the play, I'm watching, they didn't have a single route. That w- they had four receivers on the field. Not a single route was under 20 yards. Maybe it was 15 yards. But it was like that play took like four seconds to develop. Yeah. No, it's uh, that type of stuff. Um, you know, really hurts the quarterback. And now you see with Baker that they've put him in a position to succeed. They've given him a much better offensive line now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're not asking him to do as much. And then when he gets hot, when he starts playing really well, they can start asking him to do uh, a little bit more. Uh, I, I wanted to bring up one player real quick that I thought was in a really good situation. We kind of tend to talk about wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs the most because that's, you know, uh, what people have the strongest opinions about, but Jamin Davis is in a perfect spot. He could not be oh. in a better spot right now. He literally couldn't be. Um, his defensive line's amazing, yeah. which if you're a linebacker, that means the world. Um, Ron Rivera absolutely yeah, loves him, and for good reason. And then he was the number one valued player on their board. So they, they're, he's coming into mm-hmm. a team that probably valued him more than any other team in the league did. I think Ron does a good job with the defense. 
he always did a good job with the linebackers um, when we were I – because, mean, I mean, he was a linebacker, if I'm not mistaken, for the Bears. Was so he? he always I didn't know that. Yeah, he played for the 85 Bears, I'm pretty sure. I could I could be what? so Ron Rivera played for the 85 Bears? No yeah. way. Yeah, he did. Hold I on. Swear to no, God. I'm looking that up right now. Ron he Rivera. did play for the 85 Bears. Yep, 84 to 92. Wow, yep. that's crazy. Yeah. So I think Ron Rivera knows what he's talking about with linebackers. The fact that he's gotten such a big stamp of approval from him, I just I really like that fit. Uh, I really trust Ron with that pick. So I'm I'm feeling good about that. Yeah, no, I I remember that. I remember they were talking about uh I remember they were talking about him being the, their number one their number one valued player. I think it was like their number one defensive player. I don't know if it was the number one player overall. Oh, the not board. their number okay. on that. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously there's like quarterbacks and shit. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but taking a look at some uh potentially bad situations. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you have any situations that you just hate? There there's some situations where I'm like that's tough. I'm trying to not look at it from a fantasy perspective because that's what I've been doing recently. I've been doing like because I played. <laughs> I you know, know you're. I, I, I know the, you're always worried about your dynasty league. Yeah, it's, always I'm always. I'm always st- stressed about the dynasty <laughs> league. Uh, the drafts come up here soon, and so something being like a bad uh, fantasy situation doesn't mean that it's like a bad real life situation. Yeah, but one player where I feel like it's kind of both is Kadarius Tony, and I am not a Kadarius Tony hater. Um, I don't think that. He is a bad player. Uh, after he got drafted, I'll yeah. admit I did not watch a ton of him before he got drafted. He's got some after-the-catch ability for sure, but uh, there's a lot of guys who can come into the league with that after-the-catch ability, and they just need to be put in the right position to succeed. And obviously the Giants believe in him very much, and I don't think that they're wrong for believing in him very much. But I feel like for those guys to succeed, you need somebody who is really creative, um, with their play calling, and they're really good at scheming guys uh, like that. And I, I don't know if Jason Garrett's going to be that for New York. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the Tony pick either. From, from a talent perspective, absolutely. Great player. But from a need perspective and from a are you going to be able to use him properly perspective, no, I totally agree with you. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. I thought, you know, they were going to go Darisol. He was there. Yeah. I'm really yeah. I think they have two tackles that they're feeling good about because they just drafted Thomas last year, and then they've got Soldier, who yeah um, was overpaid when he got signed, but isn't a bad player. I don't think not bad, but you can always move a rookie to guard if you need to. Yep. I mean, I'm just <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. Um, the other thing I'm worried about with Tony is that maybe they they start they get him and then they start realizing like it's not super super easy to work with guys like the um, them all the time. And then they already yeah. have uh, Galladay. They already have Slayton and Ingram and Shepard. And it could just be really easy for the Giants to say, screw this, we'll figure it out later. And all of a sudden, you know, there's four or five guys who are going to get more targets than him. Uh, I like him as a player right. again. And maybe I'm wrong and they have a really good plan for him and he comes out and he balls. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Um but from what we've seen from Garrett in the past, <laughs> I'm not I'm not super super confident um, in that. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, I guess a situation I'm not super super fond of is uh, and I, I I keep going back to these quarterbacks, but Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson does not seem to be in a very good spot. That offensive line was bad. Like, it was really bad last year. They overhauled the entire offensive line. Five new guys across the board. 
And the only one who even remotely panned out was Becton. So they went maybe one for four at best on their row line. I, did they even? Did they really add much to it this year? I think they added one guy. I think they added a tackle. Uh, they added and you know Vera their receivers Tucker. improved a little bit. Oh yeah, they added Tucker. They added Vera Tucker, who you know, you know Vera Tucker's a great player. I I think he'll be really really good. But you know they still don't have you know very good help on the inside. They you know they added some help at receiver. Um, but you know the rest of that team isn't that great. I, I'd say the best part of that team is probably their D line. Uh, yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I don't know. I'm looking at the Russ. It's tough because, um, reality is, is that we haven't seen what this new coaching staff can do. And a lot of it's going to come in yeah, the situation. That's, comes that's down the to biggest what the problem with the Jets. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, that's, I'm not saying that as a negative or a positive. I'm saying I haven't seen what they can do. Um, we know a little bit what they've done in some coordinator and some other work, but I'm not going to sit here and try to give you guys like a really uh, tough judgment about these guys when i'm not yeah i i think i think the biggest i think the biggest problem is that there are too many new pieces on the jets on the jets as an organization you know new head coach new offensive coordinator you know even though you know almost an entirely new offensive line still you know they've been together for a year but they had a vera tucker you know that has to mesh and these guys have to learn to play together new quarterback new receivers there's so much that's new there it's going to be really hard for them all to come together and play well congruently. We saw that happen with the Browns and Baker when he first got there. I don't know. I don't know if it works out. And if they and if it doesn't, are they going to be able to adjust? That's that's the big question. And no, that's that's very valid. There's some things I like about them. Uh, I think Becton's a real, you know, a franchise left tackle from what we saw yeah, last no, year. Becton's um, really good. Vera Tucker seems like a good pick. Um their wide receivers, like Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore. I, I know you're I'm, big on Mims, but that's that's a, that's your fantasy mind talking. I'm, I, uh, Mims at least has the potential, and you look you look at those four guys. I'm not saying that that's like some humongous big plus for them, but I don't think it's a negative unit. I don't think you're looking at his receivers and like he's got no chance. Uh, I, I I do like the receivers yeah, decently. I do think Elijah Moore is going to be good. Like I no do think chance. Denzel Mims is going to be good. Um, Crowder's not a bad player at all. And Corey Davis but do, was really do they good have a true year. number one? Maybe, maybe if if you don't consider uh, Corey Davis to be a true number one, I'm not saying that they're one of the best units in the league, but I'm saying that if Zach Wilson is a good player, he can succeed with those guys catching the ball. I'll say that. That's yeah. And I think I, I do think okay. Corey Davis and Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore at least have a lot of potential. So I I, I don't think that it's necessarily the worst situation in the world. The offensive line is a little concerning and all the new pieces. Definitely. It's a lot to figure out in one off season, but we're not in the building. So we can't really tell how well of a job they're doing it. Getting everyone settled. That's part of it. You know, exactly. Matthew, always the master of playing the middle ground. Well, you know, I here's, I don't have a problem having a, a hot take. <laughs> I do have a problem having a hot take about something that it's like a coach that has coached zero games. Uh, I feel like I'm more yeah. like, you know, Kadarius Tony is, I don't think his situation is awesome, but I also don't know what the Giants plans are. I just know that I don't necessarily have the most faith in Jason uh, Garrett to like go out there and scheme everything super well for him. But if you want to come at like, yeah, okay, that, I'm, I'm saying right now, Kadarius Tony, good player, bad situation. If they have him like schemed up doing a bunch of cool stuff, you can tweet at me and tell me I'm wrong. I don't have a problem like being wrong about this <laughs> stuff. But I do, you know, I I just don't want to be like super hardcore one side when 
you know, obviously any, it's hard to predict anything in the NFL. And people are, people are going to, you know, say I'm a Zach Wilson hater because I had him as my fourth best QB, but I'm like, even as like, regardless of where, you know, I want, I had him as, you know, as far as rookie quarterback rankings goes, I don't think the Jets was a good landing spot for him. There's definitely a lot to figure out. I agree. I don't think it's quite as bad as you're making it out to be. I guess that's why I'm playing the middle ground with maybe, this. Maybe but, not. Um, maybe, yeah. There's there are some pretty major concerns. I agree. But we it kind of brings us to the last thing that we wanted to talk about is some personnel changes. And I know I just said that I don't really want to judge super hardcore um, personnel changes that we haven't seen a ton out of yet. But um, mm-hmm. I've got some changes that I like and some changes that I have some concerns with. Um, I guess we can start with the changes that I like. Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Yes. Good hire. Absolutely. Very good hire. Um, Ryan Tannehill is not a bad player. Ryan Tannehill is for sure a game manager. If you told me a game manager, like if you, okay, if you wanted an example (laughs) of a game manager, Ryan Tannehill would be my pick. And that is not an insult. The term game manager has become like, you're one of like, you're the 25th best quarterback. You just don't throw interceptions. I don't think that's what a game manager is. Um, he does an excellent job of running that offense, I think, or he did last year. Mm-hmm. And he put up great numbers because that offense had a lot of great pieces, a good offensive line, good weapons, yeah. um, Derrick Henry, obviously. But a lot of that success needs to be credited to Arthur Smith. Um, Theo talked yeah. about this. is another thing that Theo talked about, if I remember correctly, <laughs> about how Arthur Smith did a really good job with the Titans and how he was concerned that they're losing him and all those weapons. And I, I 100% agree with him on that. And I think he's going to do a fantastic job with Atlanta because Matt Ryan is another guy where, you know, you give him good play calling, you give him good weapons, which I think he has right now. And Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, that's loaded. Kyle Pitts. Um, (sighs) And you give him a guy who was able to turn, you know, Ryan Tannehill into a guy who's putting up some of the best quarterback efficiency stats in the league. We've said it before, uh, Matt Ryan, kind of a little bit of a sleeper to go crazy this year. Like, I mean, I, I, totally I, I didn't it. put him on my top 10. I didn't put him on my top 10 quarterbacks. I posted him on Twitter. But he has he has all the, you know, ability this year to go out and have, you know, one of those top 10 seasons. And, you know, maybe maybe we see another uh, Matt Ryan MVP caliber season. I think that I, I, I want to say that, like, Matt Ryan's the dark horse for MVP this year. I don't know if the Falcons can. You have to be on a really good team to win MVP. I don't yeah, know if I believe that's, in the Falcons that's the that much. You have to. Well, I think you have to at least. I think I would say you have to at least win your division and be top two in your conference. That's going to be I brutal would say those in the NFC probably. South. Uh, winning yeah. that winning that division is no cakewalk. So I, I don't think that he's going to be a real MVP candidate because I don't think the Falcons are going to be quite good enough. But hey, if the Vegas odds are like really bad, might, might wanna, be worth taking. I want to pull the trigger on that one. <laughs> Do you have a guy who you really liked the uh, hiring of? I'll you know, admit, I did some research last night to be ready for this topic because yeah. I was not, I, I, I typically don't have strong feelings about hirings. Yeah, neither do I usually. Um, one guy that I like, I do like Robert Sala. I know I was just talking about the Jets situation. I don't think it's good. I, I like Robert Sala. My concern with Robert Sala is he's a defensive coach. And historically, the only really good defensive head coaches, it's like Bill Belichick and like a couple other guys. But mo- like recently, all the great head coaches are offensive, offensive mind. Anytime you're trying to build up a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback, you want an offensive mind. So I'm not a huge fan of a lot of these coaching hirings. 
I just don't think there were a lot of great options, to be honest. Like, I, first, I don't love the Urban Meyer, the Urban Meyer move. Like, it doesn't make sense from yeah, you know, a game planning perspective. I, I have that on my list, and I, I get he's like a culture guy, but like, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Sirianni's like fine. Um, I, I just don't I don't have a lot of faith in you know may, may, maybe uh the Chargers they got uh who did they they got uh Brandon Staley. Yeah. Um so I I mean maybe maybe something works out there but I'm the only one I'm really really a fan of is Arthur Smith. I think that's the only one that has any real basis of potentially being a really good coaching hire and the only other one that I think comes close is Sala just because of his work with uh, Shanahan. Yeah, I mean the reality is, is that most coaches don't work out. So most yeah. coaches aren't going to be awesome. Um, so if we that, sat that on here, if we, if most we sat, players don't work out, yeah, if we sat here and like named off four coaching hires that we loved, it would be dishonest, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> but we can talk about some of the coaching hires that I don't like. I don't like the Urban Meyer hiring. You think I, I fenced it a little bit. Maybe sometimes. No, maybe I, I, I completely agree with you. Urban I, Meyer is I not a good coaching good. hire. That's not a good idea. Well, well, what are we talking about? Look, uh, Urban Meyer was a great college coach. And I've, I've talk, I think I've talked about this twice on the podcast. We're on episode six, but I'm going for a third time. Great recruiter. Biggest strength. He's not recruiting anymore. Yeah. Travis Etienne, not a good Recruiting pick. doesn't good work player. in the NFL. You can't do that. Yeah. He's a, he's a good player, Travis Etienne. Um, they didn't need a running back at all. They had, a, they had a backup running back who I think is good in Carlos Hyde. Outside of James Robinson. Yeah. You know, they now they've got three. And I... I'm sure he'll do fine. Um, but I didn't like that pick. Um, I don't think he's in a terrible situation. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be horrible with him. This isn't going to be some like crash and burn type deal. But there are a lot of games that Urban mismanaged for Ohio State, if I recall. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of games where you're just Michigan like, how? State. Michigan State is the absolute <laughs> worst one in 2015. There was the Purdue game that they lost. They lost to Iowa. I, I guess maybe I'm sounding a little bit like an Ohio State fan here who's salty about a few things. And I, I do appreciate what Urban Meyer did for Ohio State. He's one of the best college coaches you know, of our generation. But am I, am I wrong to say that college coaches don't typically transfer over to the pro game all that well? Yeah. The, the, only, the only college coach that I think could, like right now, could go to the NFL and absolutely succeed is Saban. And the only reason he doesn't is because he does not like coaching in the NFL. How did he do coaching in the NFL? I know that he was with Miami, and I remember, I, I vaguely remember him not being good. He, no, he was the Browns defensive coordinator with Belichick. Wait, and he's been a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying yeah. that he was also the Browns defensive coordinator. I think as an, maybe not as a head coach, I don't know if he could do well, but as an assistant coach, he was you know, quite solid. But I, I, it's it's very hard to make that work going from being a college coach to a pro coach. And, you know, Urban, obviously a legend, but uh, I think his coaching style fits the college game better. I think the Tim Tebow move, yeah. maybe that works out awesome and Tim Tebow is super cool, but um, <laughs> doesn't, that, doesn't that feel a little bit like Urban is trying to get his guys on the team more than he's trying to like... Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, we talked about this earlier. It's a little it, weird. It just doesn't make sense. It's weird. It's a weird team building strategy, to say the least. I, I wouldn't say it's weird. Like, I get the Tebow thing. You're taking a shot on a guy who you're trying to make like... Um, uh, like uh, yeah, Taysom, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Fair enough. Whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not 
going to sit here and say that's killing the Jaguars or anything. But and I, I do think the Jaguars can succeed because they have Trevor Lawrence. He's awesome, right? Uh, but that defense is still rough. Um, I didn't like the Travis Etienne pick. I don't think that yeah. necessarily Urban is the best game planner ever because there's there's just some Ohio State games where he got outcoached bad. He cost him a lot of seasons, and he made that program what it is now because of his recruiting. But I would say the odds are stacked against him right now to succeed. Being a college coach. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's rough. not going to be doing play calling. I think that's what they're saying is that he's not going to be calling plays. But I'm not even necessarily talking about regardless, just like scheme getting prepared for the game yeah. and whatnot. Um, for sure, for sure. I don't think he's going to work out. I don't think it's going to work. Um, but he's getting paid a ton of money. I don't blame him for doing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd take it too. So there's, there's my hot take for the episode. Urban Meyer. <laughs> not not gonna about time we got a hot take out of yeah, you man i don't think he's gonna do well with the jaguars i don't think that's a great fit <laughs> how, many, how many years before you think he's gone three i would say two because if you're a really bad coach you i thought get I, yeah i done. was thinking two. um i don't think he's gonna be that awful i don't think the jack i mean their defense that, that roster even hugh jackson even hugh jackson all. got more than two so yeah see that's the thing and i also think that urban meyer burning out isn't gonna be like him winning two games every year and being like having a horrible win. I, I, I could see them just being like a middling team for two, three years. And then all of a sudden they kind of fall off and maybe the third or fourth year are, you know how coaches do sometimes like they'll start off. Okay. And then yeah. it just won't work out. So um, exactly that that's kind of where I see him. What, what I see him doing unless Trevor Lawrence is just super, super amazingly awesome, which is possible. Right. I, I guess, but um I think that wraps it up for our episode today. I, I, I think I would agree. It, it's sad. We didn't, I was really hoping Theo would come in like halfway through I, we were, and we could just, we could just go off on him for like <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah. But so instead I just went on a urban Meyer rant of a coach who I like, I appreciate urban Meyer too. That's the thing. I just, yeah, I'm not loving the situation, but Ryan day is absolutely a better Ohio state. Coach. Ryan day is going to go to the NFL and he'll be good. If he goes to the NFL, he'll be good. That guy's mm-hmm. the truth. And I don't even know if I'd consider Ryan Day to be as good a, a college coach as I do Urban. Actually, I definitely, like, not, really? the legacy's not even, nah. Legacy's not close. Oh, like, okay, legacy. Yeah, legacy, okay. Yeah. I thought you just meant um, from, like. But I think maybe his his style fits the NFL a little bit more. Well, that does it here uh, for us this episode. Make sure to download, leave us a five-star, uh, leave a review. We might read it on the next episode. Uh, and I hope Theo got his his beauty rest. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Y'all have a good one. Catch you on the flippity flop. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.